0: God, you have a Bible tonight? Good, good, good. Well, let's open those Bibles. Can we do that? We're going to go book a second Corinthians. Thank you, Jesus. You know, when you signed up, you became born again. You were set free, rescued from the kingdom of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of His glorious Son. What a wonderful place to be. While you were a slave in darkness, you had no control, no power, you are just being beat up all the time. Once you got born again, you did sign up to the battle. You signed up to the war. And, you know, there are times where we we, uh, look back and go, when I first got born again, I didn't know there'd still be stuff coming up I had to deal with. But thank God you never have to deal with that alone. You've got the power of God, the grace of God, the Holy Spirit with you. I remember there's a, there's a song you might have heard in stores or restaurants. It's it's a, it's a song in the world, and the chorus, of course, it's talking about relationships. But every now and this every now and then, this phrase pops into my head. The, the refrain in the chorus goes, "Nobody said it was easy." And there's sometimes where somebody just looks in shock at you and says, "Why is this happening?" And you want to say, "Nobody said it was easy," but <laughs> but thank God you're not alone. And you are more than conquerors. You're called to victory. You're called to win. Don't mistake the fact that you're in a battle for thinking that God wants you to lose this one. You will always win. You will always come through in victory if you faint not. The Bible says we will reap in due season if we faint not, which means if I don't stop, stop standing, if I don't, if I don't give up, I'm going to win. The only reason believers lose is when they give up. When you stop believing God, when you stop trusting in Him, and you sit down instead of standing, you lose. Thank God you don't lose the big battle. That one's already been won. But you have to know that all the battles have already been won. Your job is to stand in faith. The Bible says that the people that inherit promises from God are those that do it through faith and patience. Patience doesn't just mean waiting for God to do something. Patience sometimes just means keep doing what He told you to do and don't give up no matter what everything looks like. Keep going. A lot of the message in the New Testament is that. Keep going. Don't stop. Endure. And thank God you have the strength to endure through the power of Jesus Christ. It's not not to the strongest here. It's not to the the most heavily invested in, in willpower and The people that were strong in the world aren't always the people that are strongest in the kingdom. Even the ones that were wimpy in the world, man, if you've got Jesus on your side, you can stand and endure anything. And so in 2 Corinthians, there's a word that shows up throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament. And it's a word that um, in our English language sounds a little bit wimpy but in the scripture is not wimpy at all. There's a few of those words. Words like meekness, for instance. Meekness is not a wimpy word. In fact, Vine's Expository Dictionary says that meekness is a fruit of strength. Meekness is strength restrained, focused, directed. And so when we talk about the meekness of Christ, we're not talking about a wimpy Jesus. We're talking about a Jesus that could have called angels down to wipe everybody out, and yet he said not a word. That's meekness. Well, we're not talking about meekness tonight, (laughs) but what we are going to talk about is a scriptural understanding. We're going to get our definition for this from the Bible of comfort. Now, that is a word that in our English language doesn't sound very tough, doesn't sound very strong. Comfort sounds like when you give up and somebody just makes you feel better for giving up, but that's not what the Bible talks about. Second Corinthians chapter one, I want you to notice something that perhaps you haven't noticed before. I want you to see how many times the word comfort pops up in the first few verses. Like, pay attention. Count them. Write them down. Have you noticed how many times comfort shows up? Let's read it. Verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are throughout out, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Now this is is something he's used to describe God as a God of all comfort. Now as many things do you think about God, have you often thought about him as the God of all comfort? The God of all comfort. Like any real comfort comes from him. Just like Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That means that all those things are defined in him. He is the way. There's no other way. He is the truth. There's no other truth outside of Jesus. He is the life. There's no other life outside of Jesus. And so when we're talking about real comfort, there's no other comfort outside of God. There's only fake comfort. There's false comfort and false hope, and those things will get you nowhere. And when you're having a tough day and somebody gets you a nice teddy bear that has a cute little phrase on it, that might pick you up for a little bit, but it will do you no good in a real fight. I mean, unless it's got some truth in it. Now, sometimes teddy bears have some truth in them. (laughs) But I'm thinking about the cutesy ones that don't. But this this says here, he's the father of mercies and God of all comfort. That word comfort, in the original language, some of you may already know this, is not just a word that just means that God says when you're having a rough time, he says, there, there, it's okay don't worry little buddy, it's okay, you'll be fine. That's not the word we're talking about. In fact, this is the word used to describe the Holy Spirit through the last couple chapters of John. This is a word which in the literal, if you were to break it up, means someone who comes alongside and helps. That's not a timid thing. It's not just a a pat on the back thing, when we see the scriptural understanding of comfort. In fact, let me read you the definition. Can I do that for you? Thank God. It's nice to have technology at our fingertips. We, had, we were okay without technology. We had big books, but that just took a lot longer for me to sort through and carry up to the platform, so I'm thankful for this. In, in, the, in the Strong's, it, it defines this comfort, which is the word paraclesis, as... Calling to one's aid, encouragement, comfort. It's, it's literally coming from the word, which means to, to come alongside, that paracleo, that, that coming alongside and helping you. And in fact, in John 14, it, throughout that last bit of the book of John, Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as this guy. The King James calls it the comforter. The New American Standard translates, translates it as the helper. I think that's a great definition because we're not talking about the Holy Spirit coming up to you when you've fallen down and just going, oh, it's okay, buddy. Is that the comfort you need from God? Oh, it's okay, buddy. Don't worry. That's not what the Holy Spirit does. He comes alongside. He bears you up. There's a wonderful, wonderful, and you've heard me talk about it, there's a wonderful bit of Scripture right at the end of Paul's last letter, his very last one. And I mention it a lot of times because it's one of my favorites. Right? It's one of many favorites. What I think about this, when I think I'm having a hard time, now really, when you think you're having a hard time, you start comparing it to some of these guys in the Bible. It's not that tough. We had, a, I remember there's a lady, when I was a kid, there's a lady that came and was talking about how hard it was. This was in Loon Lake. She talked about how hard it was, how she was being persecuted. Somebody at work called her hallelujah. It's terrible. How did you survive the day? they called you hallelujah (laughs) god help us that's a kind of a compliment it means praise the lord you know this is not a bad thing but to her it was crushing sometimes it helps to see not just so you can see other people had it worse because that's that's not really going to help you some people get get encouragement at least somebody's having a worse day than me I don't think that's a good thing, that you that you look and just say, at least somebody else is having a worse day than me. But what I look at is see that somebody else had a harder battle than me, and they still stood. Somebody had a harder battle than me, and they won. That's encouraging, because I know if they did that, if God worked through that, and God strengthened them there, and God caused them to triumph, I can triumph too. In Ephesians chapter 6, you watch how many times, don't turn there now, but you watch how many times he says, You will be able. He calls it, he says, you will be able to stand in the evil day. What does the evil day look like? That's like the worst day, right? The evil day is not a happy day. You will be able to stand in the evil day. And it talks about Satan throwing everything he has at you, and you'll be able to stand against all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Not one can knock you down. The evil day has got to be the day that he throws everything he's got in his arsenal at you and you are still able to stand with the armor of God. So there's nothing in existence, there's nothing in all creation, either spiritual or natural, that is able to knock you down. As long as you stand in the strength that he provides, as long as you stand with the armor he's given you, as long as you stand in the strength of the spirit, there's really nothing that that is visible or invisible that's able to knock you down. You will be able to stand. You will be able to overcome. You will be able to quench every fiery dart. So man, it's hard to get depressed. Depressed. Because you know there's not a battle you're ever going to need to lose. There's not a battle that God has ordained you to lose. There are battles you are going to have to fight, but you're going to win if you stand. Some are shorter than others. Have you ever noticed? Some battles in your life, it's like you pray once and they're gone. And some you have to stand and depend on the grace of God because it is sufficient for you. And to stand and fight and not just whatever you do. As Ephesians 6 says, when you've done all the stand... Stand therefore. That's sometimes we always we sometimes we ask God what what is the new thing I can do? Because this is not winning. I feel like I'm still fighting, so give me a new tip. And sometimes he says, just keep doing what you're doing. You're not losing, you're winning. But you just can't give up yet. Just stand, stand, and when you've done all the stand, just keep standing. Thank God. Paul said in one of his letters. <laughs> He said, act like men. (laughs) Now, women, I don't mean that to be offensive because we have to understand in the culture of the time, I mean, mean, buck up, stand up, you know. (laughs) He says, whatever you do in all this, he says, act like men. Just, you know, because he, I mean, and he's speaking primarily to men at this time who were, you know, starting to get weary and starting to let their legs water and perhaps, they were starting to m- moan and grumble and complain to each other about how hard it was. And he says, act like men. Okay, all right. <laughs> shoulders back, you know. This is, if you, I don't know if your dad ever did this to you. But uh, every father, whether they were in the military or not, I think every father at some point uh, thinks of themselves as, as a drill instructor. Not, not regularly, but every now and then, put your shoulders back. Stand up straight. You know, there's... I didn't get that all the time, but every now and then, quit slouching, quit mumbling. All right, stand up, you know. And I learned how to be a man, not just by hearing, but by watching. And uh, women, I thank God that you learned to be godly women. And if you didn't learn it from your own family, you learned it from the Word, and you learned it from God. And uh, so through all of this, you will be able to stand. You will be able to endure. But it says here that, that the reason we are is that we serve a God of all comfort. And I want us to redefine that in our minds. Comfort in this context is not somebody patting you on the back or rubbing lotion on you. This is comfort as in a strong helper that comes alongside and bears you up. And I was getting to my favorite verse and I got off on a sidetrack. Let me tell you, one of my favorites is in the end of Paul's last letter. And he says, everyone deserted me at my first trial. I was on trial and nobody stood with me. Everybody deserted me. He says, nevertheless, King James says, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. Now you picture that in your mind. Standing in front of these people that want you dead. You've got witnesses on the other side, many of whom have come forward, whether falsely or truly, and they're going to lie about you, and they want you dead. Not only that, but you have a corrupt judge that really doesn't care about your case. He's going to do whatever makes these people happy. He's going to avoid a riot. and At this point, avoiding a riot means go against Paul. And at that point, you feel so alone. And imagine the Apostle Paul has fought all of his life and loved all of his life. These wonderful people, he's given his life for these people, stood up for them, poured out his ministry into these people, and they all run away. Nobody shows up. Nobody as a character witness, nobody to say, I know this man, he's a good man. He's not, he's not uh, a treasonous man. He's not trying to overthrow the government. Nobody shows up. And at that point, can you imagine, because I'm sure we've all been here, when you feel most alone and there's people you would have depended on. You know, sometimes you lean on people more than you should. and You're leaning on people and you shouldn't have been leaning on them, but you do when they're gone, all of a sudden you lose your balance a little bit. Can you imagine standing in front of all those people? And all of a sudden you feel this strength come into you. And you get the sense that Jesus himself is standing in front of the judge right next to you. And he's bearing you up. And in fact, the book of Hebrews describes it. It says he takes hold. Of those who've inherited salvation. He takes hold of the seed of Abraham. And he comes up and he takes hold of you. And it says, he stood with me and strengthened me. Because that's the thing. When God stands with you, he strengthens you. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit as a paracletos, when we talk about this the, 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 the comfort that he speaks of, we're talking about somebody standing beside you, but not just standing beside you for company, but bearing you up. And when you feel like your knees are giving out, He grasps your arm and keeps you standing. And when you feel like there's weight on your shoulders, He puts His weight underneath you and bears you up. And Paul said, He stood beside me, He strengthened me, and He rescued me out of the mouth of the lion. And this is the process that God takes you through. Many times in a battle, He will stand right next to you as you're going through the battle. He will bear you up, and he will always rescue you. Every battle will win, will end in victory when you stand with him, when you do what he says. Now, now, sometimes you just got to keep standing. You think you should have had victory a long time ago. The Apostle Paul said in all these things, in a famine, in nakedness, imprisonment, beatings, all of these things, he says we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. says nothing... Whatever they've thrown at us, nothing, whether it's demons or people or anything they both can throw at us, nothing has been able to separate us from the love of God. And he says, I'm convinced nothing will ever be able to. In all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer. When you look at the original language, you find out that that is way overkill. Overwhelmingly conquer, super conquer, like it's not even fair. You should have had a mercy rule a long time ago. You ever seen a baseball game or a hockey game like that? Especially young kids playing hockey or soccer. You know, you get that one team that's playing the best team in the league against the, the the worst team in the league, and if it's in the NHL, it's it's like six to one, seven to one, and oh, that was a bloodbath. But with kids, sometimes it's hard to be a parent when you see a seventeen to nothing score. You go, <laughs> I just need to build this kid's self-esteem up. And you understand, and sometimes you think, if only there were a mercy rule, like just end the game at six to nothing, but they didn't. They just kept it going, and the coach just kept his best players in, and they just slaughtered the other team. Well, when we talk about overwhelmingly conquering, that's what it looks like. It should have ended a long time ago, but God's grace was so abundant, His strength was so excessive that he just wiped out whatever was standing against you. But you do have to stand. Here's what it says. Let's read the rest of this before we get too carried away. It says, the God of all comfort, verse 4, who comforts us in all our affliction. Now, how does God comfort you? In, now, they're being afflicted. Are they being afflicted by God? No. They're being afflicted by people. Who These people are being influenced by the enemy. He says, here's, God, here's what God's doing. He's comforting us. Now, remember we read the biblical definition of comfort is not somebody just, you know, patting your hair, somebody saying, don't worry, you'll get through this. We're talking about somebody that comes beside you and holds you up and bears you up and strengthens you for the battle. In fact, let me read you another uh, exposition on this word. This comes from Spiro Zothiadi's word studies. He says this. He says, in... And he names a few uh, verses. He says this comfort is the opposite of tribulation and suffering. It's used to designate the comfort in heaven. Uh, It's it's in this place, he goes on to say, that this is, uh, let me just get to the right spot. It says the act of exhortation, encouragement, comfort. He says that all of scripture is actually a comfort, an exhortation, admonition, or encouragement for the purpose. Listen to this for the purpose of strengthening and establishing the believer in faith. And this is what the comfort of the Holy Spirit will do. It will strengthen and establish you. It will keep you from falling. And the, That's what the Bible says. It says he is able to keep us from stumbling, able to keep you from falling. I want you to think about those times in your life where everything was thrown at you at once that could be defined as the evil day. It's nice when things are spread out, isn't it? And you're just one at a time, you knock it out, you knock it out. but when you've all we've all had a day when it seemed like everything came at once, and standing was the last thing you thought you could do. You stood through all these other things, but now they've all come at once, and you feel the weight on your shoulder, you feel the the pressure from everybody because it's not just. It's not just doesn't just feel spiritual. It doesn't just feel like the enemy's against you. It feels like people are pressuring you from all these places, and in this time you feel like crouching down and being crushed. But at that time, here's what needs to happen: we need to rely and call out to the God of all comfort, because here's what He wants to do. Jesus said, "Take my come to me, all you who are heavy burdened, heavy laden." In need of rest, burnt out, stressed out, I will give you rest. What does he say? Take my yoke upon you. Now think about what a yoke is. When two animals are yoked together, they're both carrying or pulling the same thing, right? They're bound together. And when he says, take my yoke, that means I am going to do this with you. You know, when he does it with us, he tends to take it all. Another scripture says we cast or transfer all of our burdens or cares or anxieties onto Him, for He cares for us. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy. My yoke is light. Learn from me. Isn't this wonderful? This is what Jesus promises you. In those times where you feel the most stressed out, the most burdened, the most discouraged, this is when you need the work of the Holy Spirit in your life to be the God of all comfort. and He says in our affliction, and we, we're going to find out in a few verses, that this isn't a minor affliction. This isn't just a flat tire. Listen to what he says. He says, who comforts us in all our afflictions? So there's not one affliction that he doesn't stand right there and bear you up. It says, who comforts us in all affliction. Why? So that we will be able to comfort those Who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. How many times does he say comfort right there? It's a pretty important word, isn't it? Pretty much the whole thing is the word comfort. He says we're comforted. So then when we're comforted, we're not just comforted so we can be comfortable. We're comforted so we can go on and comfort someone else. Now, when you're comforting someone else the way the Holy Spirit's comforted you, know this. He's not saying, here's how I do it, watch how I do it, now do the same thing I do. No, no, that's not what he's saying. Because you're not going to comfort somebody else, you're not going to be comforted by the Holy Spirit in his strength, and then try to comfort somebody else with your strength. That won't work. If God comforted you in all your affliction, bore you up, strengthened you, then you find someone in the same position, and that same Holy Spirit that comforted you is able to use you and comfort them. But it's got to be that by the Holy Spirit. You can't just say, well, the Holy Spirit helped me, now I'm going to help you. No. You say the Holy Spirit helped me and the Holy Spirit in me is going to help you. He says this. So, he says, "We will be able. We will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. There's no affliction to which the grace of God is not equal and abundant for." He says to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort So that's the comfort of the Holy Spirit, with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So remember, comfort is coming alongside and bearing somebody up. Now, that doesn't mean you're just going to come up beside somebody. It means you're going to come up beside somebody, and the Holy Spirit in you is going to bear them up. When they feel like falling, the Holy Spirit bears them up. Now, listen to the rest of this. He says, for just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance. What does that mean? Now, does this mean the stuff that Jesus bore on the cross, like your guilt, your shame, your sin? No, because since he bore that, you're never going to have to bear that again. It would be a crime for you to bear that again. It's not yours to bear, nor could you ever share in his suffering in that sense. Well, what are we talking about? And the Scripture talks about the sufferings of Christ that we share in very often in the New Testament. What are we talking about? Well, in this context, we're talking about the persecution. That Jesus said, once you sign on, people will hate you like they hate me. They'll resist you like they resist me. They'll put you in trial. They'll try to kill you. And the Apostle Paul says, we have this in abundance. People are trying to kill us everywhere. That's not from God. But you're just, thank God, you will never have to bear the reproach of your sin. Jesus bore your reproach, your shame, your guilt. But he says, here's what you do. You bear my shame. What kind of shame would Jesus have? He didn't do anything wrong. They hated him because of his righteousness. They hated him because he was the son of God. So you share in his reputation. Wow, that's way better than yours. You get, I mean, in the book of Acts, there's, there's some apostles that are beaten for preaching the name of Jesus. And it says that, that there was something that happened when the chief priest said, we're doing this to you because you're preaching that name. Don't you dare preach in that name again. And they went away thrilled that they just got mentioned in the same sentence as Jesus. They just got beat. But they're like happy. You 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 you, you didn't beat us cuz we were jerks. You beat us cuz of Jesus? Whoa! We're moving up. You know, oh thank God. I got to be I you did it. Oh wow, that's great. I mean, this is a, this is an honor. I'm honored that you'd consider me part of his team. I love this. Go ahead. Do, it, do your worst as long as I'm identified with Jesus. Apostle Paul said in one of his letters, he said, join with us in suffering in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the anointing, in the, in the strength that God gives. There's no way you need to bear this on your own. He says, according to the power of God. Join with us in suffering according to the power of God. That means the same power that, that Jesus bore that and he, he resisted that. And though, though it was hard at times for the joy set before him, he endured it, despising the shame, in the same sense that whatever people throw at you, you can bear. Whatever the enemy throws at you, you can bear. He says the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance. People are, hate us because of Jesus. They're throwing rocks at us because of Jesus. How many of you believe that the Apostle Paul had a revelation of the grace of God? Do you believe he had a revelation of the power of God? Yeah. So did he do something wrong when he got stoned? No. But you know what? When he got stoned to death, he got up. He wasn't done. And he doesn't walk away from the city that stoned him. He walks right back in. Do you think when the Apostles got arrested, for preaching the gospel they did anything wrong No, they did something right what happened though they got thrown in a prison the angel unlocks the door and says go right back where you arrested go right back <laughs> and preach in the temple again and you know what they they just said well if if the Lord is the one that opens doors if he unlocks prison doors for us if he gives us strength to to, to fight when we when no one else could stand then we'll just do what he says. So they walk right back to the temple and they start preaching again. And and the captains of the guards and the rulers, they all have red faces because they go, How did this happen again? These guys just got out. And they're not even hiding. <laughs> they went right back where we arrested them last time. Thank God. So though you share in some reproach for the name of Jesus though people may say something about you or you may even have to deal with uh, negative effects of people hating Jesus so they hate you too, he says, though, for just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, listen, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. Do you see that? The comfort is abundant. And he says, just as. So what is he saying? Here's the suffering. And he says, for all they throw at us, for all they try to do to us, his comfort is always equal to it. He, we're never lacking in the comfort. We're never lacking in strength. We're never weary. We're never, uh, um, though they, we may be cru- uh, you know, beat down, we're never crushed. We're never destroyed. And all of this, he says, as much as they throw at us, the comfort of the Holy Spirit is also abundant. And it is enough to meet and def- uh, destroy. It's enough for every single thing, it's equal. That's more than equal, of course, we know that. But this is powerful to me because I, I, I know that there's nothing the enemy will ever be able to throw at you. That his grace, his strength, his power is not an equal and abundant for. Now listen to what he says here. But if we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. Or if we're comforted, it is for your comfort. So he's using this word a lot, isn't he? If we're comforted, it's for your comfort and salvation. Which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. I want you to see that word effective. Effective. Sometimes when things are being thrown at you, you may not think you're being effective. But here it says, it is effective. Nobody said it was easy. But, boy, it can be good. You triumph every time. I want to tell you, uh, there were people throughout throughout, you know, as long as I was alive. When I remember when I was a little kid, people were saying the same stuff they say now. You guys just think it's all going to be a bunch of roses. You guys think that nothing bad ever will happen. I don't know how we lived this long if we thought that. Like we're going through life just in a bubble, just wandering around, ignorance is bliss, just like a bunch of idiots going, "Oh, nothing's wrong. Do you think that the church would last very long if that's what we thought? No, no, but we believe in the victory that's in Christ Jesus. We believe that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. We believe like the Israelites who went into the promised land, the, the two good spies did not deny the existence of giants, did not deny the existence of fortifications. They addressed those things, but said, if the Lord is with us, He will give us the land. We will win. We're not denying the existence of trouble in this world. We're not denying the existence of opposition. We're not denying the existence of hard things. But we are are denying their victory. We're denying their power. We are denying their ability to defeat Jesus. We believe that there's a stronger force than all of those things. I'm not denying. If I break my arm, I'm not saying, I didn't break my arm. doesn't happen. No, my arm's not broken. But what I am saying is, I'm healed in Jesus' name. I believe He is my healer. And I believe this arm is, whoa, I'm healed in Jesus' name. You don't have to say, I never broke my arm. You did break your arm. But he's the healer. And the fact that he's the healer is just as real now as it is in the future. Thank God. Praise the Lord. So when we, now listen to this, because it says that we comfort, not only does the spirit comfort us, but we comfort each other through that same spirit. Now, there's a big difference between the comfort that the world knows and the comfort that the Scripture teaches of. Here's the difference. Somebody falls down, here's what the world will tell you to do. In order to comfort them, they've fallen down. You bring a pillow, you bring a blanket, and you make sure they're comfortable. And they will stay on the ground. And though the water keeps rising and they're going to drown, they stay on the ground. Though a train comes. Man, I just read a story just in... <laughs> Near Crow's Nest Pass, Alberta. Did you guys read this about the dude? There was a guy that got drunk, left his campsite, and just lay down on the train tracks. Which sounds terrible, right? It is terrible. The train just went right over top of him. They stop the train. They poke this guy. He wakes up and goes, "Where am I?" and walks back to his campsite. <laughs> Not amazing. Well, that doesn't always end so well. That's probably a, the happiest ending he could ever have. And he, still, he still got in trouble with the police, obviously. But here's what the world will do. You fall asleep on the track, they will make sure that they give you a pillow and a blanket and say, it's okay, they're there. We all do this sometimes. Just have a nap. The comfort that the Holy Spirit brings is when you fall, He does not condemn you for falling, but he picks you up and says, You can't stay on that train track. You can't stay down there. And picks us up again. So, our way, when we comfort other people, it is so tempting to, to just say, You know what? They need a sleep. They need a nap. Just give them a pillow and leave them there for a little while. We'll come back later. But they don't need that. They need someone to say, No, no, no. Come here. I'll help you. I'll help you up. You're not, don't condemn them for falling. We all fall from time to time. But thank God we don't stay down. The Bible says, when I, Don't rejoice over me, over my, all my enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. So the Holy Spirit picks us up and says, Stand up. And our knees might still be shaking. He says, Stay standing. And He bears us up until we can keep standing and walk. You know, He stays beside us even the whole time. And this is what we do for each other. You know, you, it may be tempting. When you're not feeling well, to get the little bell, nothing wrong with the little bell, but to get the little bell, to get the the nice little movies, to get a box of Kleenex and a nice pillow and and just have somebody wait on you and and just enjoy this time that you're off your feet. And I'm not saying any of that is wrong, but what you need to do is to stand and fight. Now, sometimes you need, you need to sleep, you need rest. I know that. But you've got to stay fighting in the Word. You've got to get your Bible out. I, I, I may have told you this story, but it's been very real in my life. Now, my wife will tell you, my mom and when my dad was alive, he'd tell you the same thing, that I, I've been sick in my life, but I've ne- I very rarely been sick for very long. My parents taught me from a young age, and I'm not saying there's anything better about, you know, this is the way we all are. My parents taught me from a young age that when this stuff comes, you you get out the word and say, what does God say? And you just say what God says. So whenever stuff would come, you fight it off. Now, I realize that some things you have to fight longer than others. I know that. But I do remember, and I'm saying this all to tell you one story. I do remember one time when I was working at a regular job. And regular job, you show up at the same time, you go home at the same time. Sometimes after a while it gets tiring when there's other things that are going on. And I was going through a week in my life where it wasn't just job, there were so many things on my plate. And I got tired. And because I got tired, I got a little sick. And normally I'd get the Bible out and say, what does God say about this? But instead I said this, and I remember saying it to myself. Maybe it wouldn't be so bad to have a few days off. In other words, maybe it would be so bad being sick, I'd have an excuse not to go to work, I'd get a chance to rest. I had never said that before. But right after I said that, I immediately got worse. Now, God didn't do that to me. But I believed that I had I, been fighting before, but I just let all my defenses down. I made friends with that attack. I made buddies with it. I shook its hand. I said, you're welcome here. And that thing, I had to fight more than any other thing I've ever had to fight. I was sick for months. Couldn't sing, could barely speak. I was supposed to sing at my sister's wedding, and I couldn't, I did not have the voice for it. I told her, I don't think I can do this. And then as I was praying, the Lord showed me where this all started, and he said, yeah, here's what you need to do, and I said, all right. And I just began to stand on the word again, and then I want to tell you about something that happened because I was fighting, and I knew what I had to do, and it was the night before the wedding, and I was still in recovery mode. I was better than I was, but I still wasn't where I needed to be. And Pastor Tracy Harris from Texarkana, most of you know him, he put his arm around me. And the moment he put his arm around me, he he knew what was going on. And what he said to me was exactly what the Lord had said to me before. And he said, and he put his arm around me, and it was like he just lifted me up, and he said, can I pray for you right now? And as we prayed together, that thing went off of me. And that next morning, I got up feeling fresh and ready for the wedding. I went up to that piano, and I played, and I sang, and my voice worked, and it all came together. Now, that's the kind of comfort I needed. I didn't need him to say, oh, well, that's okay. You need a break. I needed somebody to come put their arm around me and say, can I pray with you? That's what we need from each other. Now, it doesn't mean you're all, you're like a drill sergeant all the time. It doesn't mean that you're always like, buck up. Stop crying, you know. Sometimes you have to have some compassion and be gentle with some people. I I know there are people in my life, and I've learned this about a lot of you, hopefully, that some of you respond well to a, a, a soldier command. You know, Josh is one of those guys. Josh does not want to be pampered. He doesn't want a Kleenex. He wants you to say... Act like a man. This is what he wants to say. Here's what the word says. And he responds well to that. Some of you, if I were very stern with you and said this like this, you, you might have a hard time for a couple weeks, you know. And, and that's just your point in life, and God's bringing you through that. Different people respond to different things. So you, not everybody needs you to just come into their life and be bossy and be loud with them and just say, you know what? You need to just buck up. Pull up your boots, you know. That, some people are just not going to respond to that not encouraging to them. (laughs) Recognize that. But let the Holy Spirit be the comforter. Here's the deal. Let the Holy Spirit be the comforter. You're not the comforter. You're the channel, the instrument used for it. He says, we will be able to comfort you with the same comfort with which we were comforted. How were we comforted? By the Holy Spirit. We are offering you the same Holy Spirit comfort that comes alongside and bears you up. Now let's read the rest of this before we go on too long. It says this. It says, And our hope for you, in verse 7, is firmly grounded. Thank God. It's not a false hope. It's not a fantasy hope. It's firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our suffering, so also are you sharers of our comfort. For do we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength. What happens when you're burdened beyond your strength? I think the answer is you die. Or you fall down or you burn out or you give up, right? Beyond your strength, you can't do anything beyond your strength. But listen to this. Beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. These are the great apostles. They started thinking we're going to die. It says to despair means to just you lost all hope. There's no chance. They despaired. And it says, indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves. Now, it's not the first time the Apostle Paul had the sentence of death on him. It's the first time I see in the Word that he had the sentence of death within him. What does that mean? He believed he was going to die. Now, I don't think he should have believed that, but he did. But listen to the rest of it. He says, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God raises the dead because as long as we trust in ourselves we think we're gonna die is it but all of a sudden something turned in their thoughts I don't believe that despair and trust in the Lord go together I think the despair came before the trusting in God because I don't find one scripture in the Bible that, that says you can despair in faith you can't despair means you don't have hope you don't have faith you don't think there's any chance If you're despairing, you don't have any faith. You're not trusting in God. But here's what happened. We despaired. But at some point, it says, we learned, wait a second. We've been trusting in ourselves. And they turn their trust from themselves to God. And it says, who raises the dead. So this is what their thought is. They may even kill us, but God can raise the dead. The Bible says that Abraham thought this same thing. Abraham did not know God was going to show up with a ram, that an angel was going to stop his hand. The book of Hebrews says that, that or book of Romans, says that, that Abraham thought that God may even just have to raise Isaac from the dead. It says, we were believing in God who raises the dead. Now listen to this. Who delivered us, thank God, from so great a peril of death. Now listen to this confident statement. And will deliver us. Not might, not possibly, but will deliver us. He on whom we have set our hope. Remember they were despairing before, but now they have set their hope on God. And it says, and He will, what? Yet deliver us. He will. No chance He won't come through. He will yet deliver us. Thank God, it says in the next verse, you also joining and helping us. Listen to that word. Helping us through your prayers. Now, your prayers, guys, are a bigger help than you may even realize. He says, and you've helped us through your prayers. Sometimes we, we take all the power out of a prayer. We think it's, it's not doing any good. It's, it's at the very best just, just making us feel better about the situation. But you've got to know that prayers of the righteous people are very effective. They do much. And when we're praying, there, is th- there are things that are moving, there are things that are happening. He says, you're, you're joining us in your prayers. Now listen, so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. Let's break this up for a minute. He's asking them to join him in prayer. Because his prayers aren't enough to thank God for all he's done. He says, I need more people thanking God with me for all the stuff that he did for us through your prayers. So the first thing that happened is they prayed for him. Those prayers helped. Those prayers did something. And those prayers brought favor on them. And then he says, now that we're on the other side of this, can you guys join me in praying? I need more people to help me thank God. We need more people joining in us in thanking God for all the good stuff He's done for us. Now, through all of this, we've seen a different level of comfort because had they just said, They're there, Paul, it wouldn't have been any comfort to him, wouldn't have been any help. When you're about to die, somebody telling you, Yeah, they're there, it's okay, doesn't make you feel much better somebody that gives you hope and says, let's trust God. We've been trusting in ourselves. Let's put our hope in God. And even if we die, he can raise the dead. That's the kind of hope I'm talking about. That's real. Guys, we're in a real battle. We need real hope. We need real strength. We need real comfort. We believe in a real God. Don't ever forget, we believe in a real God. We do not comfort the way the world comforts because the world does not have what we have. Right, right. I've told you this before. and we'll, we'll get to the end of this in a moment. But I remember when my father first went to this reserve and then I went with him. It was a reserve in northern Manitoba and they had had an epidemic of suicide, epidemic. And you can understand in a close-knit reserve, isolated, The only way you could get in there was by flying or in the winter driving over the frozen lake. So it's very isolated, very close-knit. Imagine this. Imagine that you're very depressed already. You're already being lied to by the enemy. And then your best friend, who also happens to be your cousin, commits suicide. Now you're already this close to committing suicide yourself. Now your cousin, your best friend, has just committed suicide. How much closer are you going to be? So it's a chain reaction, a domino effect. Of suicide after suicide after suicide and you know it's no coincidence that every time we'd come to minister the word there'd be a suicide attempt at the same time and in those communities when someone dies the whole community shuts down there's no special meetings there's no school we shut down the enemy was not only trying to destroy a generation but stop the word from coming and it was that word which was going to set people free and I want to tell you how these suicides came about because they were not just depression We saw multiple situations where they told the same story. At least two people told the exact same story without talking to each other. These were people who had the rope around their neck and were caught before they died and lived, thank God. Do you know what? Just a little side note. It's a wonderful thing to stand in that church, lift your hands, and see the musicians on the stage. One has a turtleneck because there was a rope burn on his neck that showed that he tried to commit suicide. But now, he's given his life to Jesus. And such joy on that bo- guy's face. Such joy, such life. And he wears that turtleneck because he, do- he doesn't like the mark. But I'll tell you, that mark doesn't just talk about his depression. It talks about the fact that he was rescued. Another girl, while we were there, went missing. And of course, when, when people go missing and you're having an epidemic of suicides, you don't just think they didn't come home. You don't think they got lost. You, you know what it means. They've gone off to kill themselves. And this girl went missing. Her mother came in crying. We stopped the service and began to pray. As we began to pray, the, the, the local police couldn't find this girl. The community leaders couldn't find this girl. But God gave the pastor a place to look, led the pastor right behind this abandoned building, and he got her in time course she came to the service the next night and got born again thank god but these two people told the exact same story and it wasn't the first time they'd heard something similar they talked about it the fact that they were listening to music in their room depressed discouraged fighting these demons as they looked into their closet the closet began to change and they saw a vision of their friends and family that had already died many who had committed suicide And those friends and family were in a beautiful place. And they said, come, it's peaceful here. And they showed them how to use their closet rod to hang themselves. Does anybody in this room think that that's not spiritual? That is a spiritual attack. They were being lied to, manipulated. Now, I was asked to speak in Onion Lake because they had had a rash of suicides. As I sat there waiting for my turn, they had asked the RCMP, the health department, and the local native leaders to come and speak, and me, (laughs) for some reason. Thank God, I was glad to come. The police didn't really have much to say. Thank God for the police, I love the police. But what can you say? Suicide's illegal, right? If you think you're gonna die, you really don't care. They couldn't really give them much. Now, I'm I'm thankful that they're there. They're a valuable part of that community. But they didn't have much to offer. The health department got up, and these poor, two poor young girls, I felt so bad for them because they did the best they had. All they had was nutritional information. They said, here's how much sugar is in a can of pop. Here's how bad chips are for you. And the more junk food you eat, the more depressed you're going to be. Well, listen, when kids are having visions of how to kill themselves, stopping... Pop and chips is not gonna fix the issue native leaders came up did a couple dances did some songs no real change and I just began to think thank God we have an answer that no one else has we have the answer that no one else has because this is a spiritual issue and with a spiritual issue there is a spiritual solution And they need the God of all comfort, that power of God, to break the chains of bondage, to break the oppression of demonic oppression and demonic possession, to totally set them free that Jesus came to proclaim liberty to the captives, that we have hope. I'm going to tell you guys, when you see those numbers and you see those situations, it is a wonderful comfort to know we have got something the world doesn't have. And when the world tries to comfort people, it's a band-aid, it's temporary. When you comfort somebody, do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. You go into that situation and you know, (laughs) my goodness, I love my Bible, I treat it well. If you're listening to the CD, you didn't see what happened. So... What happens in these situations is your first instinct sometimes is to do what you learned in school, to do what everybody else taught you, to pat them on the back and try to make them feel better, the situation. That's not all bad. But don't give them a pillow on the train track and a blanket and say, Well, I want you to be comfy. Because that's false comfort. And it won't save them from the battle. We are in a real we have a real God, a real victory. Jesus has triumphed. He's already won. The battle has been won. He's defeated every force of death, hell and the grave. There is nothing that can stand against the people of God. So buck up, act like men and women, sons and daughters of God, and offer the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's not a there, there pat on the back. That's a coming alongside and bearing someone up. And though they want to fall, and though everything presses down on them, the Holy Spirit strengthens them and rescues them. This is real stuff. It's all in here. It's in you. You have the Holy Spirit. As the King James calls him, the comforter, as the New American Standard says, the helper the one that comes alongside and helps us. I want you to go back sometime and read John 14 and read what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. Read what Jesus says about His work in your life and define comfort by that. Can we do that? Define comfort by the comforter. Your definition of comfort should match with the definition and description of the Holy Spirit. If it doesn't, you've got it wrong. Go back and see what the Holy Spirit was meant to do. That is the comfort that we're offered. That's a real comfort that will help you, that will strengthen you, that will make you able to stand in the evil day. And when you've done all to stand, you can still stand.